Today's scripture comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We are in the third commandment of a series on the Ten Commandments called, um, and the series is called Gospel Completes Law. And, um, you know, this, this, the, this, the um, command that we're going to go over today is the command not take, to take the Lord's name in vain. And then there's this warning that um, those who do will not be held um, guiltless. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious warning. And um, one of the first things I want to do before, as we just get right into this particular commandment, is um, I, want, I think this is, you know, I, I decided to just try to strew throughout certain pieces of theological teaching throughout these, um, throughout these messages. And there's a, there's a view today that um, the laws of God just change. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people today, you know, when they feel like Christians are just being hypocritical, they like to pose some, you know, command that's in the Bible, that's in the back, and they go, well, we don't follow that today, and therefore, isn't, isn't, isn't everything just, you know, relativistic anyway? And, and what I want to teach you is, the answer to that is clearly no. And what they don't know, um, and maybe you don't know, is that there are distinctions in God's laws. Um, you know, the typical distinctions that theologians have come up with are that there's the civil law of God, there's the sacrificial laws that were in the Old Testament, but then there's the moral law, right? And the civil laws, well, they change. I mean, we change our civil laws all the time. And, you know, as the needs of civil society change, civil laws change. And so a lot of these laws that were used in the Old Testament, well, we don't use today. And that's fine, right? Um, the sacrificial laws, we don't, we don't practice. Why? Because the ultimate sacrifice for our sins has already come in the Lamb of God, in the person of the Son of God, Jesus. So Jesus completed all the sacrificial laws, so we do not need those laws, right? But this third bucket is really what this series is all about, which is the moral law. And the moral law does not change. <laughs> and so if you ever have this view that Christians somehow just monkey around and we just, we, that, that we only apply the laws because just we happen to like these laws, and now we like being judgmental toward other people. That is not true at all. In fact, a lot of these laws, as you can see, as the series progresses, you can see that the moral law is hard, and it, and it draws us and convicts us that we ourselves are pretty bad. Not just the people out there, but the Christians, the people who believe in God, that we are lawbreakers, and thus we are in need of God's mercy, and this is one of them, right? And so some people might be thinking, this question, 
If you say something about God and it's in vain, somehow that's bad. That's bad enough that that has to be in the Big Ten, in the moral law. And this is a really serious big deal um, everywhere and all times. And so, and the answer to that is yes, right? And I want to get into that because I know that sometimes today, you know, we're, we're living in a post-Christian time. And so I'm not just here to just tell you what the teaching is. But I also think that sometimes we need some understanding of the why. And so that's part of what I'd like to get in today. Not just the what of this law, but the why. And so let's get into it now. All right. So part one, the unclean heart and the wicked tongue. All right. The unclean heart and the wicked tongue. Um, And I want to get into this issue about how we talk. Because that's really... Um, a big issue that's being raised in this third commandment, how we talk, specifically how we talk about God. But I want to get into um, the even more profound issue, just how we talk, right? Um, part two, uh, corporate sin in our attitudes of how we speak of God. So we live in a time when sin is not just something you do as an individual, but there's something about our whole attitude as a society that I believe is in violation of this command. And, um, and we as Christians, or those of you who believe in the scriptures, um, we need to be a signpost over against the very bad sinful attitudes of our present day society about how we speak about God. And um, I want to close by talking about the beautiful repentance of praise and thanksgiving. All right. Um, you know, I was really, um, really pleased to, you know, see the song choice <laughs> um, today. It was so much about giving praise, and that's what we need. Um, we're a people tremendously, we don't just, praise isn't just something that we do because we're Christians. It's something we actually need to do. We desperately need it. And so I'll get into that in the part three. So part one, the unclean heart and the wicked tongue. Um, this is the command. Let me just read it, and then um, let me ch- let's get into um, let's get into it. it. Says, verse eleven: You shall not take the name of the Lord, name of Yahweh, your God, in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, what does that mean? First, just what is that? What so? Um, what I decided to do is uh, when I was a teenager, I was trained in fundamental theology through um, something called the Heidelberg Catechism. So the Heidelberg Catechism, it's a Q&A format that's specifically geared to teach, um, especially teenagers, the fundamental theology of the faith. And there's a portion, it talks about how the Ten Commandments are not our means to become right before our God, because Jesus has come to redeem us from our sins, but they now, we now obey we seek to obey the Ten Commandments as a form of, of gratitude and response. And then, so then as such, all the commandments, they go over all the commandments. And I thought it'd be worth it to share what it says on the third commandment. So here's, this is Q&A 99 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And this is, is the question. What is the aim of the third commandment? Here's the answer. That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing. okay. You shouldn't have a cursing mouth, right? But perjury, have you thought about that? That when you go under oath in a court of law, you, you know, at least in America, you swear on, you put your hand on the Bible and you swear to God. And you're not supposed to essentially use his name 
in vain by perjury. That's a good point, um, something to point out. Or unnecessary oaths. So there are necessary oaths, and you, can, and you can have those oaths to God, and that's one of them, to speak the truth in a court of law. But there are also unnecessary oaths. Nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. How do you like that one? Nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders when other people do this. In summary, we should use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess God, pray to God, and glorify God in all our words and works. How to work Catechism Q&A number 99. Now, let's go on to 100 because I thought 100 is worth sharing too. Is blasphemy, is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to prevent and forbid it? So think about that. We live in a society where we know we are clearly in the minority. The name of God, well, our God, his name is Jesus. And there's a lot of people who think, don't know that that's the name of a, of a, of a Messiah and a Savior. They think that's the name of a swear word. Tomorrow, quite literally, you will hear probably name of the most holy name used as a swear word, probably at work. And here it is, it says, is God is even angry if we don't even you know, push back? And here's the answer. Yes. <laughs> Indeed, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That is why God commanded it to be punished with death. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> um, that's Leviticus chapter 24 for those of you who are um, curious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's just take a, a deep breath here. Um, why don't I just think a little bit about this? Is it really that serious? Uh, the name of God or the name of Jesus said so carelessly or especially um, like a swear word. Is that such a serious thing? And one of the things I want to um, tell you is one of the reasons why I think our society is so sick and why there are so many liars. I mean, our society, it's like every, it's like there's like, everybody's so concerned that you meet somebody who has authenticity. That's like, you know, that's the buzzword today. You know why? Because everybody is such a liar. And there is, you don't, the, the news is called, you know, our president calls the news fake news. We, we talk to each other and we're not even sure if people, I mean, just lies and there's so much anger and just when we drive around and we're not even talking about God, don't you think that maybe that if there is no God and there is no name and there is no way of speaking in such a way that some things are holy, that some things deserve great respect and some things should control, cause you to control your tongue, <laughs> cause you to have some self-restraint or self-control in your heart so that you should watch how you talk. That you realize there's no break like this in our society. <laughs> and since there's no break like this in our society, is there any wonder that you just watch re regular primetime TV I mean, it used to be like, you know, 30 years ago, you just couldn't say certain kinds of things. But just even if they don't use certain profane swear words, the way people talk, even on supposedly um, polite primetime TV, is often really quite terrible. Right? And, and, and it seeps into our 
in the way we, way, way we operate. Now, what I want to I get into something um, which I think is kind of like the sin underneath this sin, which is really just how we talk. And, um, and so I want to give you a couple verses, and let me ask our brother to um, project them here. Um, this one's, this is, these are the words of Jesus. This is the way Jesus looks at um, how we talk. And this is really important, and I want you to um, focus on this, all right? So this is Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good. Are we doing okay here? <laughs> Either make the tree good. Oh, let me see. There we go, all right. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? That's the way Jesus talks, all right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're just evil, by the way. That's how Jesus talks, all right? all right? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's something that's like a lot, whatever there's a lot of inside of your heart. <laughs> you know, the, the, the way I always memorize it, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, if there's a lot of it, it overflows. Out of the abundance, that's com what comes out of your mouth, according to Jesus. Verse 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, and he's talking about how we talk. If you're not sure, here we go. Verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. So incredibly frightening. Just, just think about like everything you ever said this past week. <laughs> just, 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 or maybe something you said yesterday and you're like oh gosh you're like why did I say that to my kid why did I say that to that person who cut me off right why did I say this under my breath when I was just you know mad or a little frustrated about something and this is this is what there's a lot of inside of your heart according to Jesus and he's saying you have to give account for that on judgment day how you talk right? let me give you another one this is a James chapter 3 this is a little bit lengthier, but it's really worth it. It's really worth hearing, all right? James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You know why, what, he's, what he's talking about? He's saying that teachers have to talk a lot. <laughs> and if you have to talk a lot, then um, you're going to be judged more strictly. I mean, I, I read that going like, oh, great. This is what I do for a living, all right? Verse two, for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, all right? Able also, able also to bridle his whole body. That's really interesting. If you don't stumble in what you say, you can actually shape and control and bridle. You know, the bridle is the, is the bit that the, the horse you know, has in his mouth, and you can control the whole horse's body through, through what's in his mouth, right? That's, what, that's, the, that's the analogy. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. 
So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, that's the members of the body, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I guess you see the Bible is not mince words here. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's, you know, that's something we do every day. <laughs> From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring bring forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You hear what he's saying? He's saying if you're just a salt pond inside, you can't get fresh water. Well, fresh water is not going to come out of here. Only salty, bad water is going to come out. <laughs> if you have a certain kind of fruit inside, something's going to come out. You know, um, you know I, I've studied a lot of social psychology because as a pastor, I, I have to read people. <laughs> and I'm not especially, I'm not one of these people that's got like that super sixth intuitive. Some of you, you know, you're like, you know, like uh, we, we, we have a, we have our, our marriage family therapist, our in-house, you know, Christy. She's just one of these intuitive people. You, you should be careful how you behave around her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you have something evil inside, she probably goes, oh, I see that. I'm not like that, okay? You, you, can, you, you can probably hide your wickedness from me, okay? Because um, I'm not as good at that. But, um, but uh, as a pastor, I have to get at least decently okay at that. Um, otherwise, I can't really minister well. Um, one of the things, so I, I, I really pay attention to verses like this. And so this verse where Jesus is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, if you hear people speak with anger and cursedness and negativity and meanness and cruelty, um, regularly, regularly, right? Let me tell you, that's what's inside. <laughs> that's what's inside. Um, it's strange that we live in, in a society today where, where people say horrible stuff out of their mouth. Or nowadays, you know, they text it. <laughs> so they say horrible stuff out of their mouth, and then it goes into the, <laughs> onto the phone. And then it gets, and it's on social media. So now it's projected to the whole world. <laughs> so now you go onto social media and all this horrible stuff. I mean, it's like, a, what do you think social media is for? It's like, you, if you didn't know it, social media seems to be essentially a media to curse and say horrible things about other people. It seems to be like, you know, I don't know if like that seems to be, it seems to be like 75% of its usage or something like this. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what that's saying? It's like if you think about it, texting or social media, it, at its very ba a basic level, it's a kind of a neutral, it's just a power. 
It's a form of electronics that can project what we say. But then notice what we say is so bad so often. Why? Because that's what's in the heart. That's what's in the heart. So now you'll know. Now I just gave you one of my important pastoral tricks. Um, when I'm around you, if you say a lot of terrible things, I'll go, oh, that's what's in your heart, huh? <laughs> but guess what? I'm not giving, it's not a trick just for pastors. It's for everybody. And then you should watch what you say. And if you watch what you say, you will probably, you know, it's, it's weird how we don't even listen to ourselves. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the best at rattling my tongue. You know, someone cuts me off and certain bad words come out of my mouth, <laughs> right? And, um, and it's, oh. And then I was going, you know, that's, this all this week I was thinking, you know, Susan, that's not good. <laughs> You're the preacher and, you know, good, fresh water is supposed to come out of your mouth according to the book of James. And so, um, anyway, so why would the Bible say specifically on the subject of God? Because, and I'll just, 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 just set for this for a moment. Because the subject of God and the name of God is the most important thing that comes out of your mouth. The most important reality in everybody's life is God. The most important relationship they have, whether they know it or not, is to God. And you know what they need? Everybody needs that the name of God is associated with life, is associated with mercy and truth and hope. That's what they need. Everybody needs this. And so if you say the name of God with just, just like throw away, and I'm not even talking about saying the name of Jesus like a swear word. Just, you just say God, you know, O-G-O-D. You know what I'm talking about and how people do that. And you say, his, you, you speak of God in this horribly kind of callous way as if that is just one subject matter among all subject matters. That name is the same as all the names. No, it's not. It is not, right? Let's go to part two. I want to talk about certain attitudes, corporate attitudes. You know, uh, I, I, I was uh, <laughs> just wrestling with that portion, that Q&A 100, and, and it's true. It's, it's a good reflection of the way the Bible um, looks at it. it. I mean, that that Christians don't even push back, um, that we Christians don't even push back when all our coworkers, you know, just say the name of Jesus like a swear word. Um, we don't even push back. We don't, we don't say, um, excuse me, could you mind, right? Um, you don't go around. Do you notice? You notice that um, nobody goes around and says the name of Buddha as a swear word. <laughs> nobody says Allah <laughs> like it's a swear word because if they do, people get... And do you notice? If you say, okay, let, let me warn you not to do this. Don't even, we're not even talking about the name of God, the name of his prophets, according to uh, Muslims. If you use the name of Muhammad in a bad way, and if there is a Muslim in the room, you will get pushback. <laughs> you get serious pushback. And do you know that if you're in a Muslim country and you say the name of Allah or Muhammad in a bad way, you, you, you might have violence inflicted upon you. <laughs> and what do you think that does? It keeps that name reverent. <laughs> and I'm not, and you know, there are things about violence and so forth, and it's a, it could be a very 
um, I'm not trying to praise that, but there's, there's a wisdom there. Because in our society, nothing is sacred. <laughs> and since nothing is sacred, we talk in such, this is the, the filthy way that we talk. And so inside it's filthy, and then we talk in such a way that's filthy. And so um, one of the first things I want to say is, uh, you know, just, I want to just point out a few things. So one, we Christians, we're cowardly. <laughs> we're cowardly. We believe that there are some things that are sacred and deserve great reverence. And yet, we got no backbone. And then when we walk out of the church, we don't seem very different than anybody else. We're very accepting of the filthy ways that sacred things are trampled upon. And I think that's something that is a piece of corporate sin that essentially that we're sharing in. You hearing what I'm saying? We're sharing in that. And, and um, it's not fun for me to say this. <laughs> and it's not fun for me to say this because I, I'm, I'm not like, I don't want to wake up tomorrow to be the one to push back against my neighbors about the way they speak of God. Um, but this, this is God's word. Um, so that's the first corporate sin that I want us to talk about. Um, there's a way that Christians that we tend to, sometimes the way we do this, now this is a little bit of a related way. If you do do this way, please um, try not to be judgmental. <laughs> Why don't you ask them, ask your neighbors to be respectful. <laughs> um, I think most of them know they should be respectful. Ask them to be respectful. Because one of the ways that the name of Jesus has gotten such a bad rap in our society is because so many Christians are so legalistic and judgmental. So um, that brings the name of Jesus down. And so um, let me ask, if you do have a pushback, please try to do so and ask for respect. I think we could be courageous, but still try to be gentle. It's not easy, right? But... I think we can ask for respect because it is a sacred name. The Bible says there is no greater name, right? Let me, th- let me pick, take out a second thing. Um, um, if, if something is said with a certain flippancy, I mean, let's just pick a different subject. Um, in our society, um, sex is spoken of very callously. <laughs> and so like every word and every bad word that talks about sex. And so do you know that now, you know, we're just run amok um, with kind of like, a, you know, just lustfulness and sexual filthiness because of the talk, because of the talk. I'm not even talking about bad pictures or if anybody dresses in a skimpy way. I'm just talking about the talk. And how much more so if the subject matter is important, is God, right? Um, You know, the name of Jesus, I want you to think about this, is you live in a society increasingly where people, I mean, we live in a city where people don't really, they have no idea who the heck Jesus is. Um, And there are a lot of people, and if you grew up inside the church, you're like, I know who Jesus is, and you tend to assume that Jesus is known, and to some people, they have some idea of who he is but especially people come from around the world in our city and they really don't know anything about the name of Jesus. And over time, you probably have somebody who's from Asia or Africa and start using the name of Jesus in a flippant way. And they don't know 
because it's a normal thing. But they don't know that they need that name. Um, and they need the name desperately, right? I want you to talk, and I want to talk about a third way. All right, a third way. So we have the, the way of how we talk about things and we degrade them by the way we talk about them. A second one, we're talking about how if we accept the degrading of, of the name of God, then so many people who desperately need to meet God won't, will have a much harder time doing so. But I want to talk about this third thing, which is, this is a, a hard issue, because in our society, all talk of God and religion is considered private. <laughs> that who you are, that you get to make up your own identity, and that religion and all God talk is supposed to be private. So that if you even mention God or something religious, there is this kind of sense that you're doing something kind of rude. And... Um, and I, I've been thinking a lot about this, knowing that I'm coming to this message. And you know, increasingly, I think this is a serious problem. God is, the, is one of the most important topics. And people have great curiosity about God. And people are very desperate for God. And um, if you, there is this kind of like artificial rule that you can't even talk about God, that somehow it is rude... I don't know. I, I think this is a kind of backhand way of violating, you know, the, the, in, every, in every command, in all these commands, there may be a command, don't operate this way. There's a do not. But do you understand that the do not also infers that there is a way to do it right? Don't do it this way. Do not speak of the name of the Lord your God in vain. But that also means there is a way of speaking of God that is needed. Huh. And I don't think it's just needed in the church. There's lots of people who desperately need some to hear something of God and of the name of God, and they need it in a very helpful way. And if we will simply not talk about God ever, <laughs> oh, you know, my, my coworker never wants to hear anything about God, so we'll only just talk about sports and like weather <laughs> or maybe the latest sale you know, if you're not interested in sports, on smartphone or clothes, is this all there is to talk about with our friends and our neighbors? And there's so many things in their lives where they could use the name of God, right? And I'll give you an example. Um, so I want to give you an example. Um, this, uh, this, this uh, you know, a couple of days ago, I spent like half the day, you know, some of you know this, the, um, there's a pastor in the city, named, his name is J.P. Samuel. He was our guest speaker um, at our retreat last year, and he's a dear friend of mine. And so we went to, um, we went to this half-day conference together, and while we were hanging out, he told me this very interesting story. He said that he was on a trip to India, you know, he was on a plane, and, you know, the woman sitting next to him, um, turned out she was a Brazilian woman who works for a Brazilian restaurant in San Francisco, and she was a lesbian. And so you know how that is. You're sitting in the plane. What do you do for a living? I do blah, blah, blah. And she goes, what do you do? And he goes, I'm a pastor. She was like, oh, you're a pastor. <laughs> and then she proceeded to tell him, which really kind of blew him away and surprised him that she wanted to talk to him, that she was a lesbian and she just broke up with her lesbian lover and she was in a lot of pain. And she was on this flight which was having a layover in India, and she was on her way to, like, I think, Nepal. 
because she wanted to meet some some kind of um, Tibetan guru there because she was searching. She was searching. She was searching because she was in pain. This really important relationship she was in just ended really badly. And so here she is. She's like, and she's started talking to the pastor. She goes, so you're a pastor. Maybe you can give me some relationship advice. And he was going like, what am I supposed to do? I've never given relationship advice to a lesbian before. So he's like, uh. and he was saying, I just sort of just tried in my mind, like if she was, I guess, like more of a couple inside my church, what advice would I give? And so she started telling about some of their relationship problems. And then he just realized, you know what she needs? What she does, what she lacks in her life? She lacks fundamental wisdom from the Bible. <laughs> Something that's just completely basic. If you're a Christian and you're in a relationship, so this, she's, he started asking things like, so if you did, she wants this and you want this, who gets to be the tiebreaker? <laughs> who gets to be the tiebreaker? Does anybody get to be a tiebreaker? Is there any, is there any moral compass or some standard of how your relationship is to work above you. Above you. And she, she, as he, so he started asking these questions. And she said, you know, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And she herself was kind of surprised and delighted that here she is having a, a cool conversation with the pastor. She thought, I guess I didn't know I was, I, I thought, and he was thinking, like, I thought you were supposed to dislike me. She goes, I didn't know I was, I didn't know it would actually be so helpful to talk to a pastor. And, and there was one portion that JP told me about where the, the flight attendant came by and then apparently interrupted their conversation. And she got angry. She turned and said, will you be quiet? <laughs> she says, can't you see we're having a really important spiritual conversation? <laughs> and, um, and JP got a little, he's like, whoa, okay. And, um, and that's what it was like. And I just want to give you that example. Your coworkers and your friends, they're all just like this. Don't just assume that they don't want to know anything about God. I've regularly found that that is not the case. Now, you know, you just get, well, you're a pastor. People will talk to you about God. No, they don't. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you're a pastor, it only goes one of two ways. They ask you, what do you do for a living? Like, I'm a pastor. You know what usually happens? Like there's the wall just come. Like, oh, no, that's it. I'm like, okay, good. Now I can go to sleep. <laughs> right? Usually that's what happens. But if I go, I'm a pastor, and then they don't freak out. They don't just immediately go, oh, that means you're like a priest. It's like, I'm totally afraid of my priests. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can almost literally see their, their body like inch away. <laughs> it's like, oh, right? And uh, I go, okay, right? But for all those of you who are not pastors, which is most of you, you have that advantage. All right? It's a great advantage. Now, for me, if I, they find that I'm a pastor and then they don't run away, then I go, oh, it's on. <laughs> And then they're like, hey, can I ask you a question? And then I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> can I ask you a question? It's like they were in church many years ago. And now they have like some question in the back of their mind. And usually that question is not a theoretical question. It's not a theoretical question. There's some wound or problem they're having in their life. And they have some idea that maybe if you know something about God, 
Maybe you could be helpful. <laughs> and many of you, let me tell you something, you could be helpful. The name of God. They just immediately know we're not having just any old junky conversation now, are we? You are now offering me something that's not just your stupid opinion. <laughs> you got this from a higher source. People are desperate for wisdom from heaven. You know, just here, here's some of the things that people are desperate for. They want his wisdom. They want his presence. They want God's kindness. They want truth. They want hope. And let me tell you something else. Oh, they, def they definitely want forgiveness. They definitely want forgiveness. And I, I, got, I, I, got a, I got a text. Some of you have met this brother. There was a brother who got saved through one of the brothers in our church. Um, and he was his coworker. And when they would talk, because he was dating this Christian gal, and, and, he couldn't, and he wanted to marry her, but her father wouldn't <laughs> let, you know, say, so you can't marry her unless you get baptized. And so then he goes, you can't just get baptized. You know, our, our member told him, you can't just get baptized. You have to like know Jesus. And so he goes, okay, I'm, I, I, goes, I take that seriously. And then he had, has to ask all these questions. And so this brother started calling me up and asking for advice. And I was going, oh, the typical skeptical questions. And then he finally and then I said, well, if you ask us, what if you ask this question, pastor? And I go, that question's probably too hard. Just say, that's above my pay grade. You need to talk to my pastor. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And then next thing you know, three weeks later, he goes, it's happened, pastor. He wants to talk to you. <laughs> I go, okay. So we set up a dinner. And you know what I thought? So I thought I'm going to meet this guy. Guy graduated from Berkeley. All the tip, he's going to have all the skeptical, I thought he's going to like ask me, well, what about gay people? <laughs> I thought that's what he was going to ask me. Right? Or yeah, how do you know? Isn't, isn't, the, isn't the Bible got also all kinds of like falsity in, in, its, you know, in, in, in all its manuscripts? I thought he was going to ask me these types of skeptical type questions. So I showed up ready, you know, all right, here we go. He just got really nervous when we sat down for dinner. And he had a hard time even beginning to talk. And I was like, and then... When he started talking, you know what he started doing? He started telling me all the really horrible things he's done in his life. That's what he's done. Horrible things. And I was remember something where I was like, oh, is this what we're talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh, man. You know you're a really bad person. Inside, there's a lot of filthy stuff, huh? You know what you mean? And I was like, well, this is going to be easy. Just, I don't have to, like, I don't even have to be smart. <laughs> I just, just give them the gospel. <laughs> and that's, that was the beeline how he got saved. <laughs> now I want to close my message. I want to, you know, we talk in bad ways and all kinds of ways. And not just about, only about the subject of God and the name of God. Because, you know, the abundance of our heart is too often filled with uncleanness, bad things, right? And so out of the abundance of the heart, bad things come out. Um, but I want to just give you two things, you know. Um, I, I don't have to be so brilliant to give you today's message. Do I, do I really have to convince you that you have bad things inside of your heart and they come out of your mouth? Probably at the beginning of this message, you were like, oh, gosh, here we go. 
just see it in your faces, right? And some of you probably like, oh, gosh, I don't want to hear this. Because <laughs> who does? Everybody, we, we all want to think that, you know, we know how to clean ourselves up on the outside. But who can clean up what's on inside here? And that's why we can't even control what comes out of here. We can't. Can't control it to your kid. Can't control it to your wife. You sure as heck can't control it to the, to the other colored person who's cutting you off while you're driving. Because it's really filthy inside of here. And you know what you need? You need a God who will know that about you. And even though he tells you, you deserve his wrath. He also said, but I'll take the wrath. <laughs> You're really dirty inside. And I will show up specifically so all those things that are really dirty inside of you will come on me and the wrath will then come on me. There is a God like that. And his name is Jesus. And don't you think that's a good name? If you're, there's something so filthy inside of you and somebody else will take it on him and then the wrath that you and I deserve for being filthy and for saying filthy things, he will take that wrath and then his blood will wash you so that now there's a chance good things can come out of the overflow of your heart. Isn't that incredible? And so, that's all just the gospel. Just the gospel. It's the best thing ever. Now, I want to close with one thing. If you believe that this person, Jesus, will take that which is filthy inside of you and wash it, and make you whole and clean and forgive you. And then come to indwell you so you have a chance. So that out of the abundance of his goodness. And at his wonderful mercy and grace. Then mercy and grace and beautiful things can come out of your mouth. That's wonderful. But I want to offer you one important application. The application is this. Instead of speaking just blah 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 things about God, you know what we really need to do? You need to say, sing his praises. Now, I don't want to be mean here. Some of you like to come to church a little bit late. You're, you come about like in the third song. Some come, you come really late. You come after all the singing's over. You're missing out. <laughs> you know what you need? You need the one whose name is the name that makes you clean and can make this filthiness whole, and beautiful things come out of your mouth. And you need to sing his praises. You need to remember what he's done, and you need to say thank you to him. And that, those words about him, not saying his name in vain, or saying it in a bad way, but to say it in only the right way, better than the right way, with love and with adoration, and with beauty, and with truth, and it's coming out of you. And do you know, church, you need to come to church, and you need to hear other people say it to you? It's the, it's the pushback of all the normal, filthy way that God's name gets trampled Monday through Saturday, 
And then on Sunday, we need each other and you need it. And when you say and sing the name, the most important name in the glorious way, you're healing your heart. <laughs> you're healing your heart. So brothers and sisters, we're gonna go to the table of the Lord. We're going to eat his body and drink of that blood, which makes the inside of us, which is so filthy, clean. And then we're gonna have a chance to respond afterwards and sing his praises. And when you sing his praises, would you say, Lord, I need this. I need to sing your praises because I need you. And then beautiful things can go out in the world and just little bits of how we can make the world heavenly. That's why church has always got to have song. It's got to have worship. And it's not just from the preacher or from the song. It has to come from you. And you are invited to say these things so that you can be healed and washed and put forth beautiful things into the world out of the abundance of holiness, his holiness, beautiful things can go in the world. Okay? Let's pray. Father, as we go to your table now, I imagine there's a lot of people who heard this message and knew that their hearts were guilty and their lips were foul. Lord, your word says that out of the tongue, stuff from hell comes out. But we pray, Lord, that from Jesus, that because of Jesus and his grace, that the things of heaven can come out of our hearts, be the overflow of our hearts and out of our mouth. And our church would overflow with praise and thanksgiving. And your name would never be said in vain. And here, revived church, this house, this people, would be a beacon of wonderful words, of loving words, of beautiful hearts, of clean and wonderful hearts. So we go to your table now. Give us a heart of repentance and give us a chance to repent of all our cursed mouths with praises. We thank you, Lord, that you give us this chance, this mercy, this forgiveness. We thank you. We love you. The great name of Jesus. Amen.